Cast off R&B with Hillary and Eddie. Bonjour, c'est Sheila et vous m'écoutez sur le cast du R&B avec Hilary et Eddie. Welcome to another episode of the cast of R&B. I am Eddie Blackman, a.k.a. The Silver Fox. Feeling good outside. It's sunny. My next guest flew all the way in from Montreal. She's an incredible uh, singer and songwriter. Uh, really excited to have her today. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Shay Leah. Hey, Eddie. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm good. It's a beautiful day today, so... Welcome to New York. Yeah, thank you. I love it here, really. You had some issues getting in, huh? Yes, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So wh why did they hold you up? I don't know. I don't. Maybe it's my face or my managers. My manager maybe is too black, and I'm, there's Mohammed in my name. It's, it always happened. I don't know why, but they thought I was because I don't have the visa, the artist visa. So okay. maybe they thought I was going to perform. I told them I was not coming here to make any money, but I don't know. He just didn't like me, and we missed a flight yesterday. <laughs> well, that's terrible, mm -hmm. but you're here now. Yes, I am. But maybe because you're racially ambiguous. and Yeah, maybe, and because they might be ignorant, too. It's a little bit of both. Well, you're here now. Yeah. That's all good. Mm -hmm. Were there a lot of people with uh, masks on? Not that much, actually. It was really chill. I feel like from Montreal to New York, people were really... It felt, I felt like I was in, on a train. <laughs> it was really casual. Really? Yeah. You know, this coronavirus thing is is real. Has it impacted up, up there? Uh, I think so. I think we have two cases in Montreal. Yeah, we have two cases down here now, too, okay. which means that there's a lot more. They just haven't reported them. Yeah, usually that's the case. That is the case. I actually was in Montreal probably about a year ago. I went skiing. Did I tell you I went to skiing up there? No. In Montreblanc. Yeah. Is that it? Is yeah. That, did I say Never it? been there because I hate the snow, but yeah. But it's only like a, a hour and a half, Yeah, it's, right? it's close. But oh, I, but I you hate the snow, so. Yeah, I hate the snow, so. Well, and Montreal is. And I can do it in front of my, of my apartment, basically, so. <laughs> Montreal is probably not the place that you want to be then if you don't like snow. Right. But you're not from Montreal. No, I'm not. I was born in France, and when I was five, I moved to Djibouti, East Africa, where I was raised and where I'm from, too. And I moved to Montreal to study. I had I could choose between Paris and Montreal. Mm -hmm. And I decided to choose Montreal because culturally and in terms of, I don't know, racism and stuff in Paris is really bad. And I thought Montreal would be more interesting. I like the idea of being closer to America. Mm -hmm. And the I don't know, even musically. it's it, it, I didn't know I would make music back then. It was really to study, but I wanted to get more of that culture. So... I think it was the right decision, but yeah, uh, the snow for me. I, I'm staying there. The rent is cheap. I used to be there. I studied there. I graduated from uh, university from Montreal. So, but yeah. So then you can just move to New York now. Yeah, it's just uh, the money. <laughs> the, well, the, yeah, because the, the rent is not cheap in New York. Yeah, it's or just... Brooklyn, or Harlem. It's very expensive to live down here. Yeah, I can imagine. So, what was it like growing up in? I can't pronounce it. Djibouti. Yeah. So you got the <laughs> Polyvalent Français? Oui. <laughs> it was, I don't know, it's hard to describe. Um, so what's like the population there? It's uh, very conservative. It's very Muslim. Mm -hmm. 
um, there's a lot of French people, maybe less than now today than uh, when I was there. Um, a lot of military presence because of I don't know. I feel like politicians know about Djibouti because of because it's that zone um, with the Somalian pirates, and mm -hmm. um, even in terms of business, they're really interested in Djibouti. Um, but yeah, it was uh, there's only one school there, uh, French school, okay. private school. That's where I I studied. And a lot of French people. I don't know. It kind of gave me a bit of that colonial post, like post-colonial vibe, a little <laughs> bit because they were children, like all the white families. They were they were coming from France for missions. Like their their father, um, usually he was on a mission for two years or three years, mm -hmm. and they were in that. They were not usually. They were not living in the city. They would live in a base. How do you, like military? The military base. Yeah, the military base. So there was that thing. Um, so you they were only stationed there for a few years and yeah. then transitioned out. So it was hard for me to keep friends. Um, obviously, I looked very French and foreign to pure 100% Djiboutian people. And I would look very non-white and non this and that to the French people that were here for two years. So my best friend ended up being that one white girl that was staying <laughs> the whole time and because her father was working uh, at a zoo. And um, yeah, and her mother was uh, a, a teacher. So they were just local, basically. And she ended up being my best friend because she could understand both culture and she was just staying there. So it was a bit lonely, uh, very, um, even in my culture, I felt like I'm the first one, the first child. And they know my family there, my name and stuff. So I had to be very uh, respectful mm, and be very, mindful. Very proper. Yes, that's how I grew up, so. But having a best friend whose father worked at the zoo, yeah, he had did like you get a, to did you get to go to oh the yeah. zoo for free? Oh yeah, no, it, it was not even a zoo. It was more like you know when you uh, rescue, it's like a, like a rescue mission. Yeah, animals. it was more. It wasn't. Yeah. It was not to have them and just so you could pay and look at them uh, dying. It was more like, uh, you know, he was rescuing those animals. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew up taking care of zebras and. And, and all kinds of animals. She had a black panther and and um, I had a monkey, stuff like that. <laughs> you <know>? Wait, <laughs> you slid that in like, yeah, I had a monkey. Was his yeah. name Bubbles? <laughs> no, Leon, because I was a fan of a show when I was, I don't know, TV. And I called it Leon, and it, which is like a male name, but then I realized it was a female when I went to an actual zoo <laughs> 10 years after. I told my mom, wait, like this is, this is, whole time it, was, it wasn't a... a Male. It was a monkey. Yeah. So, what was your exposure to music and culture? I guess more specifically, pop culture. There. It was minimal. It was just TV. I didn't have a group of friends um, that would help me discover new music and exchange anything. Uh, it's really my mom. She introduced me to a lot of R and B, like good from the '90s and '80s. My father, he's into really straight genre, like pure genre, like. Um, Bob Marley and then uh, James Brown and then Miles Davis is really like, he's not into fusion that much, but mm -hmm. he has really good taste. And so they introduced me to that. And then I always love music. My mom plays music every weekend at the house is just, so mainly my parents, because I didn't grow up listening to what people would listen to. Of course the TV was here and it was, a, there was a lot of T-Pain and Lil Wayne and, and Kelly Rowland. And that was the vibe, especially in Africa. It's like Kelly Rowland was almost bigger than Beyonce there for some reason. Really? Yes, yeah, like they they love her there. Um, so yeah, it was just, uh, and Chris Brown, the early, you know, the 20s. 
um, yeah, the 2000s, that's kind of the, I mean. That's the different type of music that I grew up on. Excuse yeah. me, the different era of yeah, music Yeah, so that, that was, I grew up on. Those was on TV at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then I discovered YouTube and it changed my life. Oh, YouTube connected yeah. the world. I would never be, I would never make the music I do if it wasn't thanks to For YouTube. YouTube? Yeah. Did you have like BT and MTV? No. Uh, just things? Trace TV, it's but it's it's close to beat uh, MTV. So oh. we had the same um, music videos. Okay. So, yeah. So who were some of your musical influences? Oh la la! I love music. Like I love music and all type of. It's, what it's, type of genre of music? Yeah. So I well, my favorites. I'm obsessed with Marvin Gaye. Like I really, really adore Marvin. Like it's just a feeling I get. I just I love Marvin Gaye. Um, Janet Jackson, I love her. I can see that. <laughs> yeah, you told me that the other yeah, time. I can see that. Um, who else? Amy Winehouse for different reasons. Really? Uh, yeah. I love Why Amy? Ah, I don't know. I just don't like when people try too much, and I could tell that she was just the melodies are brilliant in terms of jazz. It's just her singing; it's effortless, um, and the lyrics. I didn't understand anything, by the way, back then. But it's just, I knew it was smart. <laughs> I could tell. <laughs> so did you speak English then? No, not at all. Nobody, would, even around me, I had the English class, like everyone, but we, you know how French people are really bad at it? Because mm-hmm. it, it started school. They're not good at teaching us English. So Well, it's the same thing here. They're not right? good at teaching us foreign languages. So, no, it's really my, lo- I guess I was mimicking the sounds in English. That's why when I sing, you can't really tell. When I speak, you can tell a bit more, I think. But mm-hmm. um, but no, that's, it was really... But it's funny, like a lot of singers and actors, they have different accents or they're from, you know, various places. And you can't, when they're acting and singing, you can't tell until yeah. they open their mouth and have a, a like a real dialogue. Like, oh, oh. <laughs> wasn't expecting that coming out of you your mouth. You lied to me. <laughs> <laughs> so th- was there like a live music scene there were there there i'm assuming that there weren't you know concerts that were coming through town because mm. I, I can't pronounce it so yeah. i'm just gonna say um, the town. not really because honestly when it comes to western countries and people that don't know much about africa they see africa as west africa the mm-hmm. way they know it or nigeria and south africa because they're so good at exporting their music and stuff but east africa honestly no, it's really traditional. A lot of percussions mm-hmm. and gi- gi- kind of is a oud. It's called that, like that is a sort of a guitar. Mm-hmm. Very close to the uh, Arab culture. Um, but we they play music for weddings and they write songs for that wedding for the bride. And so it's not really a part of the culture that much. They don't, I lived a bit in Tunisia and for any reason they play music there. My parents now, they live in West Africa, in Abidjan. So I can't say that about Djibouti. Honestly, the first concert I saw was Kanan because he's a Somalian. So, yeah. Oh, and yeah. Then, yeah. I remember him. And it was like a long time ago. And then I saw, because we have like a palace there, and sometimes they call those jazz singers. So I saw Stacey Kent uh, perform there. But that's really it. I, no, never. Uh, and I know that one time Beyonce performed in Ethiopia when I was at school in Djibouti. And it was a big event even for us, even though we're not in like it's not the same country at all it's Beyonce (laughs) but we were like she's coming like to this country next to us and that was an event for us which is ridiculous because she wasn't coming to our to Djibouti at all but I remember so that's seeing Beyonce probably about three or four years ago I was in Italy and I saw her perform in Milan I mean obviously a lot of people see her perform here in New York as as Americans 
And you see her, you know, in New York, you see her in L.A., in Houston, wherever. But to see her perform outside of the country, Mm -hmm. she was performing at the the soccer stadium there and it was like 80,000 people. And to see 80,000 people in a completely different country singing her words lyric for lyric Mm. was absolutely mind-blowing. And and that's why she's a global superstar. Yeah, I just want to see her perform one time one day. That's all I want. But yeah, and I grew up watching a lot of oh, performances. Never seen Beyonce. Perform? Never. I haven't. Honestly, I haven't seen many concerts in my life. It's just YouTube. I would watch a lot of uh, performances from Michael Jackson and Janet and Usher. He's so good. Uh, and Beyonce. And I would buy DVDs uh, when I would go to France because they were not a, a, like we we didn't have that in Djibouti. And yeah, Justin Timberlake too when he at the Staple. Uh, the Staple Center. Center. Mm-hmm. It was a good show. So yeah, stuff like that. But well, we gotta get you to see Beyonce. Oh my God! If you do that, no, I mean, you'll be stuck with me for life. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be saying thank you every time I see. I you. I know a few people. I'll make some calls. <laughs> you could do we'll that, Eddie. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> like I'm really a, a huge fan. That's easy. That's easy. Oh my God! So I'm assuming that since there were no concerts and and DVD stores, there's probably you no know, record stores there. No, not at all. No, it's really YouTube. Like if it was my whole and my father, he was so tired of me because no, I w- I wasn't really a good student. I would study only when I felt like it was interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was a lazy, uh, selective student, let's say. And he would be you spent all spent all this time on the internet on YouTube watching people sing because I would watch professionals, and I would also watch um, covers because it was when YouTube started, co- people just starting um, posting their covers, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would try to compare. Um, that girl who had that m- much um, um, views, mm-hmm. that many views, and that other girl that would sing better, and so I would try. I was just trying to intellectualize and understand why you know she would have more stuff like that. And I would spend hours on on the on the computer. And my father, was like, you, you, why don't you sing? Do something. But fa- now I understand that I was just a sponge, and I was just getting all. You know all the information I needed. Now I can do it naturally without thinking too much about it. Mm-hmm. And in English, which is not my language at all, and I didn't grow up around any of that, so I think I was just observing and taking as much as I could. So transitioning to Montreal and you going to school, you were posting songs or covers of yourself on YouTube. Well, um, not on YouTube, but I remember one day. My cousin, she asked me to sing with uh, in front of her friends, and she filmed it, and it sounded kind of good. And so she told me you should post it on Facebook, and I okay. did it. And that's how, um, you know, Kaytronada, for example, he discovered me. We were friends already on Facebook, because Montreal was really small. The scene was really, I don't know, there was a real, really a scene there in mm-hmm. 2012 and 13, and it was very easy to get in in a way because. They were not huge, like the producers, it was still the beginning. And I would go out to the hip-hop parties and trying to... The one hip-hop party in Montreal. <laughs> right, and I would go and dance the way I do. And so people would come to me and I would go out by myself too. So it was just perfect to... Um, pour m'intégrer, to... Um, how do you say that? To, to meet new people, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if you go with, yeah, if you go just with your friend and you stay in the corner, people won't see you. So I would go by myself early, dance, smile, and love the music, listen to the producers, and it was just so new to me. And all the artists that I loved, they it was it was a part of their musical culture. To them, it was just so lot like, so for example, I discovered Eric Capadou after Amy Winehouse, 
Really? Yeah, because I didn't, you know, it's now it doesn't make sense yeah. now to me, but because there's this song you send me flying, and she's like, Am I no Badu? And I'm like, Badu, what is Badu? What, you know? And then I'm like, Oh, Erika, Erika Badu. And I heard her music. I was like, Oh, she's, Amy is definitely influenced by Erika Badu. Mm -hmm. And then I got, I became obsessed with Erika Badu. But so, yeah, that's how, you know, I, it's just a lot of um, curiosity. Curiosity. Cur curiosity. Yeah. So, you moved to Montreal, and yeah. not only did you have YouTube, now you had <laughs> yeah, Spotify, <real> <laughs> you had Apple, you had a semi-music scene, yeah. you had uh, artists coming through to perform. Shows, yeah. Yeah. Of, of events, of, yeah. Just, yeah. It changed everything. So, obviously, again, my um, in school, I wasn't the best because I was way too busy <laughs> meeting new people and getting all of that. So, it was hard, and... That I think that's why I got into a phase where I was a bit more depressed because I felt like um, I wanted I didn't want to study what I was studying. It was communication. It wasn't that bad. I was uh, a communications major too, and I hated it. Right, and I don't know. Yeah, it was it was just I wanted to. I felt like I was doing it for my parents. Me too. And um, but then my father he told me, okay, imagine you're not doing it for me. Um, if you stop right now. You're not from here, so what about the visa? And that's when real life, you know, <laughs> comes at you. And uh, I was like, oh, it's true, because if I stop, I've been here for four years. The bachelor is three years. It took me five years to do it. I would fail. Me too. I would fail, and I had to take the class again, and I would feel useless. I don't know. It was just a very bad and cold, because Montreal is very you know, the winter, so it was it was very difficult. And so. Yeah, and then I realized, no, I'm doing it for myself because, uh, yeah, I need that visa, and then I can do whatever I want after that. And so then I finished very quickly because I realized uh, it made sense to me, so I was able to finish. And but it was hard because at the same time, um, yeah, this you know I met Keitra and I wrote my first song to his music, and I realized I could write songs, and mm -hmm. it changed everything to me because I never thought I had that voice. You know, I would not. I'm not the type to. I would have never been interested in the voice, for example. So I was like, I don't have that crazy whatever, in my opinion. But if I can write songs, who cares about your voice? Yeah. Because you have your voice in a different, like a message or a personality, something to add. So it made the whole difference, and I realized that that's what I want to do. So how was it working with Kei Trinata? Did he help, like, pull some of those things out of you? You know, pressing you to, or excuse me, pushing you to write. Yeah, it was, I think it was just fun because at first there was literally no pressure. Mm -hmm. uh, he would send me so much music. I have hundreds of beats from Ketra. And I don't know, it was, it was, it was, it was fun. It was just, I was just, I would just get excited in my apartment by myself. I would dance and then I would, I would. You do your <laughs> African dance? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I would, I would, you know, when you get a, a great beat mm -hmm. and you know that producer is incredibly connected. You really want to have the best idea so it can be yours. So I was like, I hope I, you know, I have the best idea so it can be my, mine at the end. So I'm yeah, like, yo, Kate, let me hold these beats. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so it's just um, I'm very thankful because I've started with really good music when it comes to practicing, which made it difficult after difficult after because when I I started working with other people, it made me very just difficult mm -hmm. <laughs> in general and I had such good chemistry with Keitra but again we never really been to a studio except for the our new song together the last one mm -hmm. that is called Ch Chances um, so it was a very um, 
lonely process though because he would send me tons of beats on Dropbox and I would open them on the garage band and just write songs on my bed and mm -hmm. that's it and then that's how I wrote leave me alone he was in his studio it was 100% me I just sent that and that's what I have you know that's the song and he said I love it and then so but it gave me a lot of confidence though not having someone you're not sure if you can write songs and then you go into the studio and that person give you gives you a lot of ideas which is really nice mm -hmm. but at the beginning you can also feel like you're dependent on their creativity um and i never felt that way with ketra because all the songs were coming that side was coming from me mm -hmm. so it's nice and now I, i'm able to collaborate with people because i know what i do and who i am musically so i know what to take not to you know yeah you have a level of confidence now that you didn't have before yeah. i mean that's the whole you know kind of yeah. point of songwriting is to continue to write and, and get better so fast forward you are working with him and then how do you get to the point of putting out your album which is almost a year old at this point i know i feel like i'm late on so, so many things <laughs> <laughs> time flies because you go from just creating music for fun and eventually you release an ep to having a schedule and trying to make things happen for yourself and the pressure is a bit different and the time it just passes so fast when you have a plan but yeah um well i would talk about that ep constantly but never really work working on it mm -hmm. i think i had school in mind it was difficult for me so when i finished you were still working on your album while you were still in school yeah i mean i was talking about it back in 2014 everybody was creating eps and releasing eps so i was just like oh my ep my ep but yeah those things are semantics <laughs> at this point i mean in right? the digital revolution it's just how many so, songs are you going to put out ep album mixtape call yeah. what you want to call it yeah basically and also at first i wanted to put it out on soundcloud because soundcloud was that so important like for all these artists and at least for rappers Yeah, even producers, you know, Selection and Ketra, I feel mm -hmm. like they benefited a lot from SoundCloud. So, but yeah, um, it really, starting, I really got serious with this project when I graduated. Mm -hmm. It was way easier. So how did you link with other producers outside of him to work on the project? Mm, I feel like I already knew them. I knew Mr. Carmack already. So we did uh, Rock Baby from scratch in his studio in LA on a beautiful day. It was amazing. And I love because Carmack is so surprising. You, When you think about him, you think about those crazy EDM uh, beats. Mm -hmm. But he's just, he could do jazz. He plays many instruments. He can sing, play the trumpet. So he's really, um, he's a real musician. And that was really fun. Um, my manager helped me with uh, Jordan Manswell. I didn't know him. He had uh, credits on Maria Carey's uh, Caution album. And um, yeah, just we went to Toronto for for Pomo. I knew him from Montreal, um, but I never, you know, it was I don't know. I, I knew that it would be good because of what he did with Anderson Pack and just he's he's different than Ketra, but it's still a a similar world. And when you create a project, it's really difficult to have that cohesive sound. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I get bored easily, so I need every song to have its own little world. So that was also new for me. How do I curate everything? How do I, you know, but it, it, it happened really naturally. What are some of the challenges as an independent artist? Oh my God, they are everywhere. It's like, where do I start? <laughs> it's inside, outside. It's just, um, well, you don't have necessarily that huge bank be behind you. Mm -hmm. So it's ma it, it makes a huge, 
a huge difference. I think you have to start with understanding the industry so you don't take everything personally and you don't put value on your music um, because, you know, when you don't get those numbers, you know, it doesn't mean the music is not good. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in independent artists, sometimes they lack information because mm-hmm. it's the opacity is crazy in this industry. And so they end up, um, you know, feeling some, some type of way and they shouldn't. So, but even though I get it and I understand how it works, sometimes you get, you know, you, you get a little bit, it gets personal for no reason. So yeah, money wise, um, resources, um, and also that little, um, how can I say that? Um, learning how, when to listen and when to say, no, this is me and that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit difficult too. And people coming at you, acting, you know, treating treating you like you don't know anything because they don't see the result, but it doesn't mean that you have the information. It's just maybe a lack of resources. Um, so having that entertainment from some people sometimes also is annoying. But I think you'll appreciate it more, you know, moving forward, being able to be... Um, be resourceful on your own and, and with your, you know, with your immediate team and being able to put the music together the way that you want to and have it marketed the way that you want to and have it presented the way that you want to. Because so many times in the business, you know, especially with artists that are signed to major labels, they think that they have that that flexibility and uh, are able to do it their way, but they yeah. soon find that... Ta-da, that was planned four years ago. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah, um, to me it's a second nature and that's also my personality, so it, it wouldn't make any sense. And I need to be, it's one of the things I need to be happy. Um, I need to control. It doesn't mean that I'm not uh, open to ideas and I'm a Virgo. We tend to be really, you know, we listen. Virgos. <laughs> so many Virgo stories. <laughs> So usually we tend to, you know, we're not as crazy as Gemini people, for example. What's um, wrong with Geminis? They're amazing creatively, but sometimes they can, you know, they they sometimes they just don't listen. It's, you know, it happens. Oh, so you're going to just say, I don't listen, huh? I've been Are you a Gemini? You. I am a Gemini. <laughs> I'm June, sorry. <laughs> June, June 6th. Really? Mm-hmm. No, you guys are like, there's a lot of you guys in the Don't, in try, the don't try to clean it no, up now. No, but I'm just saying that, yeah, you have that. But I have a bit of Gemini uh, emotionally. Like the, my moon is in Gemini. So, But it's just that the Virgo, we, we are known to be the good student, the good this and the, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the way we are. Not, it's a cliche, every, you know, it's all a cliche. So no, I mean, when I listen to people, I, but I'm learning how to uh, listen to myself too. And um, that's the way I've started making music. So to me, it wouldn't make any sense to, it's too late now. Like my brain is shaped a certain way when it comes to my project. It doesn't mean that, you know, I need the team to be bigger. I need more. Um, I love learning. I love information and knowledge. So um, yeah, it's, um, I definitely have more people come into the project, but being told everything and no, and also I want to last in this, in this. And I feel like, the best way to last is to also be yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I would be scared to follow, a, I don't know, any kind of like formula. <laughs> so is there a specific artist that you'd like to kind of mirror your career path after? Hmm. Mm-hmm. I like Kelani's okay. career. You can tell, even her branding, you can tell it's her. Um, She's a really good performer. She worked really hard on 
on that, I can tell. I've actually never seen Kimani perform. Uh, I saw her on YouTube, like everyone. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> I guess I could go on YouTube and see her perform. You, you're missing out. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it was really good. No, she has that really effortless Usher vibe, you know? The, the singing is really perfect, and she doesn't do too much in terms of dancing. She knows how to play with her body and to do that little move at that moment, and it's very classy, too. She's really, really good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Kelani for sure. Uh, and it's just her career. It took time, but everything was strong along the way. Um, and uh, when you think Kelani, you think not only the music, and the, you think about the person, too. So that's what I like, and they did a really good job uh, in terms of branding. So I really like that, um, her... Yeah, her career. Who I'm excited for Doja Cat right now. She's having a moment right oh, now. No, no, I'm excited. I'm excited. She's having a real moment. I discovered her. The album is really, really good. In 2012 or 13, through a beat I got from Carmack, and there was a Doja Cat was written there, and I heard some vocals, and it was her, and I loved it. And it was really house singing and mm-hmm. really house vibe. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm happy to see the industry uh, putting the money behind people like that because it gives me a you know a bigger opportunity to a better chance to reach those mainstream that mainstream level if they do you know you got to um, get out on the, out on the road and tour yeah <laughs> do you love performing live uh no i don't love it but i know it cuz it's new and mm-hmm. anything new and i'm an introvert so anything new can be very it's too much energy cuz you're scared and stuff like that. But when the more I do it, the better I become at singing life, and the easier it is for me to be myself. Mm-hmm. And you know, but when I'm 100% myself on stage and I start dancing and just being my, you know, um, something happens and people tell me you're really good and life can be a, an advantage for you. Like you have that stage presence. That's what people told me. So I want to work on that. And I, I'm, I'm a bit of school. I, I always loved performances. So mm-hmm. that's something I really want to work on because I can dance. And so, yeah. But for now, I, I would like to you if I say, yeah, I love performing and touring because it's new and and it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. And this type of thing, you get better by doing it again and again. So I just have to, to keep going and... Yeah. yeah, you went on tour with Omar Apollo. Yeah. How was that experience? It was amazing. It was chaotic at the beginning. We were both very sick. Couldn't barely even say hi to each other. I'd be like, I have this med. He's like, I have this pill. didn't have the coronavirus, did you? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> but he was like, oh, do, do you have this? And I have that. And we would exchange pills. <laughs> um but was yeah. it a drug transaction? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Or, okay. <laughs> it was to get better and sing to, you know, better. Okay. But to... we were, I was like, this is French. He was like, oh, I got this uh, in the UK. Oh, this. But yeah. Um, but he's really, he's adorable. He's adorable. He has a lot of, way more experience than me, I, I think, when it comes to performing. And um, yeah, he'd be, I see him becoming a superstar. Like, just a reaction of his audience. They just scream like he was just Tim Bieber and... And musically, he's very good too. And no, he's, I loved, I loved. Uh, yeah, Omar is a rock star. Yeah, right. He got that thing. And uh, the last show in London was one of my favorite shows ever. It was just, and I appreciate it because he stayed and watched the whole performance, which is hard, you know, when someone opens for you, you don't have time. You, you're in your head. You have yeah. to get, but he took the time. And um, no, it was, uh, it was a great experience. It wasn't easy, but I think it was totally worth it. Let's talk about what you're listening to right now. 
Is what's in your R and B? What are like the top five songs in your R and B rotation right now? Mm-hmm. That's the thing, though. I told and you, you Marvin Gaye. So it's like, and you can't say yourself. No, of course not. I don't listen to myself at all. Um, honestly, honestly, that's me. That's I'm. I listen to the Buena Vista and 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 Shade. I'm I like I, I'm stuck there. But from new artists, as I was saying, Doja Cat. Really like her. Um, she's not really R&B, but I kind of like Dua Lipa. I don't know why. I feel like I could do music like that too. Mm-hmm. It's just well written and and it works and it's pop and it's yeah. But yeah, I love Ari, Ari Lennox. Ari, uh, Ari Lennox. Ari, that's how you pronounce it. Ari. 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 Ari? Yeah. Ari. Ari Lennox. I love her. Yeah. Um, who else do I love? Oh, of course. Uh, I want you around. Oh, oh, Snow Allegra. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's yeah. having a she's having a, a slight yeah. moment right. right now. No, she's great. She's, a, she's all right. <laughs> she's all right. Yes. No, she's great, and she gives me a bit of that early Alicia Keys vibe. You know, the album Diary, mm-hmm. and I love that album so much. So she got that, and and it's Jen, it's her her own style, you know. But it's just, she, yeah. So when it comes to soul music, I would. Yeah, these are my favorite five. Ah, oh, I don't know though. Five. That's good. Yeah, is that's it good enough. enough. <laughs> yeah, that's good, that's good enough. Okay. That's a good. That's a good sample size. Um, you know it's Women's History Month now. Do, oh. do you guys? Here's a stupid question. Do you guys celebrate that in Canada, or is that just Amer- mm, I don't know. Is that I an American don't know. thing? I'm not even. I'm not in my bubble. I don't know. Sometimes what what if they celebrate that? I just read it on. On the internet. Well, uh, you, I guess so. It wasn't on YouTube. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't on YouTube. It if it's not on YouTube, <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> oh my God. Fuck the gram. If it's not on YouTube, it's not real. But I love YouTube. You know, I like last week, I saw an interview of Dali Who? on YouTube. Dali, the painter. Put you me on, know. I don't know. Okay. Well, you, you'll see. Uh, you know what? The, I'll, I'll Google it. And okay. Maybe and you'll be like, oh, Dali. D-A-L-I. D-A-L-I. Um, okay. Incredible. Uh, like, so it's like you, you, know, you learn about these people in art books, and then you realize YouTube exists, and then you try to just <laughs> write their names, and then you hear their voice, and it's just so different. I thought, I would never thought we'd find any footage of him. So it's just, yeah, YouTube. <laughs> so between YouTube, Google, and Instagram, we've got it all covered. But yeah, so it's black... Uh, I'm sorry. It's Women's History Month. I'm still yeah. my mind is still in Black History Month because you yeah. know we got an extra day this year into leap year. Um, black. Why do I keep saying that? It's okay. Black Women History Month. <laughs> Let's I have love this Black one. Women. <laughs> Women's History Month. Mm-hmm. So, with that in mind, Wait. I have one last question for you. Okay. Who do you think has the best chance of making the biggest impact? in music out of these five people five women ready that I, oh oh okay yeah SZA Summer Walker Ari Lennox Ella May or her mm, they're very different her it depends on her vision it really depends on their vision it's not just the talent and their image um, her is really talented so if she wants to because to stay and to have an impact, it's not just how much you sell um, and how, how, you know, if you're out there that much, it's also what you do for the culture and if you're willing to invest and create those things, you know, sometimes it's a festival, sometimes it's whatever that is. So it depends on her vision, but if she's committed and it's a part of her plan, 
she could do it, I think. Uh, what are the other names? SZA, Summer Walker, Ari Lennox, or Ella May? Um, Ari Len Lennox could too. Um, but no, I feel like her and SZA is huge. So whatever she wants to do. But I feel like her approach is more still about, um, you know, being out on the charts and being out there. She's still trying to, you know, keep being, being you know, being big. And so um, I don't know. I'm going to say her. All right. Yeah. There we go. Her. I agree. Okay. <laughs> well, that's all I got. Shaylia, ladies and gentlemen, the cast of R&B. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me.